Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC. And that is our friend, Emmy Kemp, with her beautiful voice, her piano playing, her composition, her lyrics. She was something else, I tell you, and she's in New York right now. Now, I have Libra Sen, Senna, one of mine, our president of Women in Jazz South Florida. Hi, Libra. Hi there, Dr. Joan Cartwright. How are you today? I'm very well. So you ready for this interview with Emmy Kemp? Yes, I am. I'm excited to talk to the Queen Emmy Kemp. Are you with us, Emmy? I am Hi, certainly with Emmy. you. And I'm so happy that you're with me. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> Emmy, Emmy the Queen. Let me tell you, Emmy, you are a national treasure. We love you so. What a magnificent human being you are. So we want uh, to have a wonderful conversation to know a little bit more about you, hear your voice, hear some more of your story. Emmy is a fabulous pianist, vocalist, band leader, Broadway composer, and actress. (laughs) All of that, all of that and more. All that and a bag of chips. Now, Emmy, your 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 career is so vast. 
you've done so many things and still doing things. I'm just curious, as a performer myself, what what is your creative process like? You know, what, what gets your juice stirring when you get ready to uh, do one of your compositions or even just go, going to perform? Well, the most important thing for me is to be quiet. Um, mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, let me take you to dinner, let's go to, no, can I just, may I just go and be uh, alone somewhere? <laughs> we'll eat later. Yeah. I will show you what eating is. <laughs> but I'd like uh-huh. to be quiet and just listen to what comes into my conscious. Well, that sounds like mm-hmm. doorbell. We're not paying that any attention right now. <laughs> I just say, who okay. comes in? <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy that people do uh, think about me. And you and Dr. Cartwright, congratulations to both of you and all the rest of the women and also the gentlemen as well uh, that are here today. Uh, we're somewhat uh, locked in in Manhattan, but I don't mind that. That's that's the time for us to really think of what's inside, and that's what's important. And if it's the right kinds Amen. of things that we think inside, they'll come out. Amen. 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 So oh. that's the key that's the key for you is getting silent. Yes, quiet. Just quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to be totally or listen to The doorbell is kind of cute, I think. <laughs> Someone's coming in with, I'm sure, good vibes. Uh, that's the only people that we uh, come uh, in here. That's the only ones we allow in here. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. no, we think uh, what, what we uh, put around us, and that's what's the most important thing, uh, to keep Absolutely. the air clear. Uh, although it seems that it's not uh, at this time, uh, but we're not thinking about what seems to be. We're thinking about what's in our consciousness, cool, clear water, and that's another issue among the basics of life, water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, indeed. <laughs> now, you were a child prodigy playing piano at the age of three. My God. Tell me, was there... What started you playing piano? Did your parents put you uh, in lessons, or was it just something that you were drawn to? Well, my brother, who was 10 years older than I, had piano lessons. He had dance lessons. He had trumpet lessons. He had all kinds of lessons. Uh, <laughs> but I was, uh, he was, as I said, 10 years older than I, and he had piano lessons. And uh, one day I uh, toddled, as the t- you know, not walking really that well necessarily, two or three up to the piano, and there was a book. You could see images uh, when they had the songs for the young people to learn. And it was a cowboy. I could recognize a cowboy. Yeah, with a lariat Mm -hmm. over his head on a horse, uh, bandana or whatever around his neck. And that lesson I found out that my brother had been playing, I didn't know it, but I had heard it enough probably, uh, was called Home on the Range. And it seemed Mm -hmm. like something, something I plunked, sounded like, Dong, 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 give me a home. The first uh, three words, mm-hmm. give me, four words, give me a home. And uh, they, they said, oh, goodness, she may be able to play the piano. My grandmother stopped my dancing lessons when I was a little bit older than that. And then they took me to my parents to a piano uh, teacher. And we moved from where we were at that time out to farther in Morgan Park, which was uh, more of a house and an apartment which we lived in when I was born. But it was fun, uh, you know, seeing uh, lots of people. We didn't have an elevator, really. It was a walk-up. And, um, of course, they carried me up when I was little. But we had actually a house that uh, we bought from the lady next door 
who was quite a, a woman. She was a woman. You could call her, I guess, an entrepreneur. She owned quite a bit of property. And um, it was an, an example to see women who were doing, um, you know, she wasn't in real estate as a, a licensed person. She just had the property. And she did what she did to rent it to people. And uh, another thing that I liked about being where she was uh, in Morgan Park uh, was that it was an open space, kind of. Uh, you could look across, you know, in, in uh, downtown or in uh, Harlem, as it is now, as it was. Uh, there, there are many, many people together. However, some of those spaces are being uh, torn down, and some we want to keep. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, was there anyone in particular that inspired you besides your brother? Well, Mommy played the piano. She didn't play well, and she never said she did. <laughs> but she enjoyed <laughs> she enjoyed playing what was uh, in her category at that time, which was early music when she was growing up in the in the twenties, nineteen twenties. She played sort of like a ragtime combination of. I don't know what this she called it, but she rolled the bass a little bit, not like Boogie Woogie yet. No, she wasn't that uh, far advanced. Like a Dorothy Donegan, uh, she was a wonderful pianist. Hazel Scott, who was also a wonderful pianist. Dorothy had um, really, just as uh, Hazel did, liked to sort of jazz up uh, what we call New European classical music uh, selections. Right. So it, uh, my, my mommy uh, would do a uh, melody in it, da 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 with a little more syncopation, because that's the kind of lady she was. She loved to laugh. She loved to move, to dance. Uh, she was kind of plump. They said pleasingly plump at that time. And I bounced along mm-hmm. being happy with those as parents, Robert Kemp and Janie Kemp. Uh-huh. Just bounced along. Wonderful. Yeah. Emmy. Tell me about Hubie Blake. Now, oh. you, became, you became one of Hubie Blake's protege. How did you meet him? How did this come about? Well, talking about how I just sort of bobbed around, I was living in California at the time, uh, as I had for a number of years, but I wanted to go to the World's Fair, which was in New York, 1964-65. And I said, I want to meet Duke Ellington and, and, um, at, and uh, Count Basie because I'd written a selection that I wanted to see if I could get to their bands. Well, I was going into music publishers' offices and those who were connected with booking. And there, uh, aside from uh, a, a, well, actually uh, a woman who had been married to Willie, Willie Mays, the ball player, uh, mm-hmm. I ran into these uh, uh, older gentlemen, beautifully dressed in uh, you know, watch fobs across there that they used to wear them uh, then still from, from their day. And they turned out to be noble Sissel. And U.B. Blake. And wow. Noble, uh-huh, yes. I didn't know who they were before because I'd never seen a picture of them, but from childhood, through my parents, I heard about mm-hmm. Shuffle Along, 1921, on Broadway, whatever that theater was, it was considered then like a Broadway house with the star Florence Mills. And in my head, I was hearing the names of these different people, uh, Florence Mills, who was said to have had the biggest funeral, I believe, before Bill Robinson, uh, in mm-hmm. Harlem. Now, uh, I live in Harlem now. That's why I maybe keep hitting on that name. But I was born in Chicago, lived on the south side of Chicago, and then moved to Morgan Park. Mm-hmm. And here I am now in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So now how, did be... you, how did you get to work with Yubi after you met him? How did How did that come about? Well, I was trying to see this publisher whose name was Biddy Wood. His wife was being discussed as a possible bring back 
shuffled along. This would have been 1964, mm-hmm. the year I came to the fair. And a beautiful woman she was. They were discussing it, I said. And, of course, everything boils down to the books. Uh, I have written a piece uh, It's called Reality of the Artist's Life. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I just sort of uh, use that uh, as an acronym, ROLL. Okay, we better ROLL, R-O-A-L, <laughs> not R-O-L-L. We know what we mean then. We better ROLL mm-hmm. with what seems to be. Uh, such as mm-hmm. something like this that shuts down all the entertainment. <laughs> but yeah. uh, UB and Noble wanted me to make a demo of, uh, of some of the songs that they had written, and they might present that uh, in a small version uh, for backwards auditions. Uh, so I was listening to that, and so uh, listening to them say, would you, young lady, because uh, they didn't even hear me saying, they just said, young lady, would you please send back from California when you get a chance uh, a tape to us uh, with these numbers? Okay. I did that, and I never heard anything else. <laughs> but uh-huh. I still loved the, the thrill I had from hearing and uh, about the music and, and hearing it uh, you know, when I got back to uh, where I was. They didn't play anything for me there. Uh, but uh, I got back to California and started saying, okay, I'm going to you know, learn some of this music. So I kept in touch with that particular office. A man was Biddy Wood, and his, his wife was a very beautiful young lady who was uh, you know, appearing in a number. Demita Joe was her name. Beautiful. Yeah. She was a beautiful face and uh, manner, but uh, there was another young lady from Atlanta, Georgia, and she was really what you call hot. Uh, she had been at the Apollo. There was a Harlem audience that loved her as well. She had spent uh, about 18 weeks or more at the uh, London Palladium. She was loved wherever she went. Mabel Lee also had her name up on the Apollo uh, uh, forefront when she passed mm-hmm. on, unfortunately. Ninety um, something, but uh, she's still with us, and uh, you might get a chance to hear some of her music. Okay, thank you. That's how I met Yubi and uh, Noble Sissel, and that was how we started. And then later, I was playing a show, and uh, a woman who was gathering information. She was a doctorate also at a university, and it ended up at Harvard, uh, collecting um, those who should be in who's who and the such and such. <laughs> and this is how we are judged. Uh, and uh, she said, "You know, Yubi Blake is in the house." No. Do you know him? Well, yes, I've met him. She, so anyway, she perhaps mentioned my name uh, to him, and after that, okay, that became more, uh, this was in the 70s, uh, and uh, after that, uh, UB and Noble perhaps registered my name and in their heads, and uh, as time went on, I got a call from UB's wife, Marion Blake, who had been working in the W.C. Handy Music Publishing Company. I did yeah. not go in there when I went, but I did later <laughs> meet uh, and, and love meeting uh, some of the Handy people and getting material from the W.C. Handy Blues Plus catalog. Wow. That's fabulous. That's and Yubi was in, uh, uh, Yubi was in uh, Bubbling Brown Sugar as, as one of the contributors. They said uh, additional music. That was one, they, one way they, they termed the music of, in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine was uh, termed additional, but Yubi was such an icon in Noble Sissel, and their piece uh, was done as a comic bit. That was mm-hmm. Avon Long and Joe Attles from Charleston. Yes, I remember uh, that wonderful number. Oh, that's that a, another big highlight in your career. Did you say something, Dr. Cartwright? Dr. Cartwright knows a lot of history as well as I do, but I call myself a researcher of American music, although I don't have any any alphabets behind my name. I have a string of schools I've been in and out of. I thought I, I, thought I heard uh, her say something in the back. Now, speaking yes. of that, Bubbling Brown Sugar, 
Another yes. big highlight. Could yes, ma'am. you tell us a little bit about uh, your work on Bubbling Brown Sugar and what that was like for you? Well, it was really a thrilling thing because what I did was I had heard of a show called That or something like that. That was coming to Broadway, and I decided, okay, uh, I like to write. I hadn't thought necessarily I'd be included in writing numbers for the show because this was going back to the times that they had built on with the music, the times of uh, UB and, and Noble, of W.C. Handy, of, of uh, other, uh, uh, Cab Chatterley, uh, those people. Uh, they were bringing that, uh, Fats Waller, bringing that back, and I was a, currently a young woman, but I could write in any style, so it didn't matter. But I wanted to also exercise a bit of ability uh, as an actress. And so I auditioned. I got Danny Holgate, who had been uh, waiting until uh, he was free. He was a very busy uh, music arranger and uh, conductor. Uh, And I got him to play for me. And uh, I went and I auditioned like anybody else. Uh, I had a nice little outfit on. I had a Mm -hmm. scarf around my head. Uh And uh, I looked kind of, I'm sorry, I was looking cute. Uh, and I had this uh, lovely sweater, <laughs> blouse with the back kind of cut out. Nothing uh, that my grandmother would say, oh, go, not that. Uh, but uh-huh. I had um, af- lovely applique roses on both sides. And I sang the song called I Can't Give You Anything But Love, which was an old favorite. And so mm-hmm. they liked me. And I was going to be, and I did become, the understudy for Selma Carpenter, who was a, one of the big stars uh, of color. Uh, in radio, um, mm-hmm. so uh, it was uh, something that I really enjoyed uh, being uh, with at a real um, dyed-in-the-wool foundation person, we'll say, not as old as Ethel Waters, who was really a mm-hmm. foundation person, uh, because uh, she was in a song that is totally unforgettable, uh, and the theme is also unforgettable, and that has to do with one of the social things, they, they may call it something else, but it was called lynching, and there was much mm-hmm. of that in the South especially. Uh, and this particular poignant song that I love so much was called Supper Time, and it's painted the picture of a mother getting ready for the dinner with her children, and she says, Supper Time, how I set the table? Supper Time, how am I able when that man of mine ain't coming home no more, no a mob got him. That's and but it was a wonderful song. And some of the most serious subjects are the most beautiful and the most that that we can't forget. Like um, Billy Holiday's voice also uh, was totally ta- captivating. She was not in that show, uh, but uh, that supper time was sung by Ethel Waters, and I'm putting them kind of together uh, at you know in their period and the being staples of our stage. Really, so grateful I was there to be Thelma's understudy. <laughs> and uh, Yvonne Long, who was in Game Bess, the sporting life that tried to get Bess to stop, or actually well, her association with Porgy, but uh, let him, well, really in a sense, take advantage. We know money comes from all kinds of things, but uh, Bess was really, I think, captivated by the thought, the thought that Porgy was interested in her, uh, not just her body. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he went off to New York, you know, and uh, we hoped that maybe she would join him and be able to kick whatever habit she was uh, not free from. And let's all be free from whatever is not good for us. And I say, Emmy Kemp is good for you. Amen. What about you? 
Amen. I tried to be heard. I said, Amen. Yes, Emmy, let's take me an example. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Emmy, what, um, how should I put this? You are an example. What is, your advice, what is some of your advice for women uh, in the entertainment business now? You know, you have vast experience, uh, women that write about copywriting, um, you know, things like this. What would you, how would you guide women? Well, I would say somehow manage to put away something uh as far as banking something or wherever you put it in the sock, to make sure you have some kind of a special person interested in protecting your intellectual properties, as they're called. Uh, it it costs cost a certain amount to send down to the Library of Congress with an application blank to, to uh, copyright your numbers in, uh, to, to, to the Library of Congress. Uh, we know that, and uh, when I was working, that was easier, and I would do that, and then sometimes I would not. Then the old way is to put the, uh, if you've written it out, had written out, put it in an uh, envelope if it's only a, a number 10 envelope, but if you have several more, this is still one way of protecting yourself. You don't un- open the envelope, and you must do that if you haven't done this with some kind of legal assistance. And then there are lawyers for the arts, and uh, in my case, uh, it had to do with finding uh, one of the producers of a show, uh, and they could not even find him when I paid the minimal amount uh, to have him uh, found. I mean, this wasn't like a you know boogity boogity boogity. <laughs> Let's get him. No, no, no. It's simply to find out where this gentleman was because the person that I had known first, who was uh, a producer uh, of film, along with others, and uh, others had produced the film that was Claudine. I think that's what it was called with, with Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones. Uh, and I'd gone to the opening uh, because I had put one of my, uh, I won't say properties, but it was written, the script was written by a gentleman, Dr. Milton Polsky. Dr. Cartwright, I like to hang out with these doctors now. <laughs> and as I say, I'm so proud of you and the organization and so proud of my uh, darling angel child. Uh, Libra, okay. But uh, I was uh, going to doc- the gentleman, the producer, that's uh, uh, J- Jim- James, uh, his first name was James, and uh, I was trying to see whether or not he'd be interested in uh, protecting me uh, legally. And by the, uh, by the time we finished conversation, I found out there was uh, this Claudine opening, and I went to that. Uh, we had a conversation, and then he said, there's going to be an audition for Bubbling Ground Sugar. Uh, that was our first meeting, and that's how I got to Bubbling Ground Sugar, first of all. Thank you. Wow. Wow, 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 Emmy. Now, you work with Sean Penn, Woody Allen. You've done uh, soap operas, The Guiding Light, Casting Kangaroo, on and on. Tell me, what what was one of the highlights of your career? I think knowing UV as uh, personally as I did, but if we go back when I was quite young, because I was 30 by the time, no, I wasn't quite 30, no. Anyway, when I met UV, uh, but I was grown. <laughs> I was grown mm-hmm. when I met UV and, no- and Novo. And this was kind of um, a, a train uh, because I came back the next year, 1965, but I did meet Duke in 64. I didn't know I was going to ever meet 
Noble Sissel and, and U.V. Blake from the 20s when I, when I came to New York to go into publisher's office. Coincidence, but then they came up again in my later life. Uh, so um, after uh, I started being involved with uh, Bubbling Brown Sugar and the uh, special piece, the comic piece that was put in with the St. Louis Blues, uh, which coincidentally, uh, W.C. Handy's office was where U.V.'s wife later uh, you know, earlier than Bubbling Brown Sugar, uh, worked. And that's how UV and Marion Blake met in the W.C. Handy office, which has always interested me that uh, this was another thread as to who I knew, how I knew them, uh, most of all from my parents being those that were especially exceptionally proud of what people of color did with their lives. And Duke, Duke Ellington uh, was actually... Um, <laughs> a case of my really being at the wrong time, a uh, wrong place at the right time. <laughs> the people I was going to stay with when I was going to visit uh, uh, New York at 65, uh, they had um, been out of town when I previously came into town. And I stayed at the Y. Uh, and I did not let anything stop me. I just put on my best dip and tucker and took myself to where I found Duke was appearing. And uh, I, I evidently looked good enough, and walked right at uh, it was called Basin Street East. And uh, the major D thought, oh goodness, this must be somebody that's here for something important. So he, he summoned me uh, toward a, a, a curtain which behind that had dressing rooms, and to my right was this gentleman uh, standing uh, at a desk with his back of his head to me. That's all right. And he said, "Do something." Anyway, that was Whaley, Tom Whaley, who did transcriptions from Duke's music, and uh, Duke just looked at me and said, when he came out of the dressing room, he said. Can you sing? I said, yes. I never got a chance to tell him that I played the piano and I wanted him to hear my original music. It was high life. I wanted to see Ghana and America and England and the whole world celebrating the freedom. And freedom is a special word with me, freedom. Okay? So anyway, I, I went up to Canada and I sang a bit at a, a rehearsal. Ellie, um, Mercer was there, the his son. I was thrilled. That was the, perhaps the most whammo immediate thrill because uh, the band was on the stage there with, with Duke's son being what the, you hope the next generation can help to keep the names alive. And all of those of you who have children, I congratulate you uh, and I'm proud of you. And I, I don't have any. I call all the world's children mine. So you're, you're my Dr. Cartwright. You're my big sister. Uh, and, and you, uh, oh, no, you're my little sister. And you are my little niece or my godchild. Okay, Libra, you got it. I want to tell you, wow, though, Emmy, that, that is like a whirlwind of excitement. Now, my last question, because I don't want to go over time, oh, what would you change about the music industry as far as female performers are concerned? What would you like to see changed? I would like to see performers. I would like to see some of the wording that's used in the current songs definitely replaced with things that are considered considered more beautiful than the uh, H.O. <laughs> and uh, the big whatever uh, physical uh, departments of, <laughs> of womanhood. <laughs> but uh, I want to also go back to something I'll just uh, say that many people don't realize that uh, Billy Strayhorn, who was there that day also, that I walked in, and I'm talking about to the was Basin Street East, 
uh, that it was the evening actually, to meet Duke Ellington if I could, and I did. Uh, those of you may not really realize it was Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn out of Pittsburgh that uh, put together what's the number one song in the Ellington band book, uh, and that was Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn, a young man who was talented at, as a teenager, who wrote mature lyrics and certainly advanced uh, music theory uh, harmonic uh, structures, uh, a, a prodigy within himself. And this is one thing uh, for uh, women musicians, for us to recognize each other uh, rather than thinking, oh, here comes some young girl, pretty thing. She's going to take my that's take my place. No, no, no. Leave a, a try to prepare a place that's going to be better than the one. Uh, and uh, I, I was taped on another interview saying uh, I could say whatever I wanted to say, and what I did say in support of uh, what they said was going on and what has been going on in show business, be it music, being uh, acting, be it dancing, whatever. Uh, show business has in some ways uh, given itself kind of a you know, black eye in, in, in many cases as far as it goes to, in quotes, morality. But Duke said, uh, uh, everybody raises God in their own language, and there's no language that God doesn't understand. I kind of like that. I say I play in all the languages. So that's why I try to reach each audience uh, I'm, because I am a curious, you know, not strange, but I am curious about what I feel is worthwhile. And I know togetherness, not going apart, not trying to take advantage of, but to help open the way. And I think more and more of I our have women to are stop doing you. I have to stop you. We'll have to do it again. We're at the Thank end of the you. show. Thank you. I'm just pleasing to say that you are one of the women that are lifting up others. So you're living it? My baby girl? Absolutely. Libra, you're living it? Absolutely. Rihanna's living it? Let's keep that platform and raise it higher so the men realize what they really have, such jewels. We are jewels, my dear. And let's just let yourself know it inside. Thank you. Bless you. Shine on. Libra, I thank you. Okay, we'll be back again with Emmy Camp and G and Libra. Oh, wonderful! Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh yes, she's another. Thank you so much, and thank you, Godchild, and wonderful visual artist. W i j s f dot com. Women in Jazz, South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through e-